1: Welcome, everyone, to RB1 Colon of Fantasy Football Podcast, part of the Fate Team's podcast channel. I am your humble host, card-carrying member of the Taysom Hill Is Not a Franchise Quarterback Club, and already ordered a Cam Newton Patriots jersey, Pete Rogers. And I am joined by all of the guys. We have resident old man, the Duck Father, and recovering Texans fan, Clark Barnes, the working girl, Scotty Miller fanboy, and level 42-and-a-half comic book nerd, Jordan Smith, and finally, the ginger, the beard is growing back, man. Political wild card, and thinks your favorite team is run by donkeys. Dick Botterfer, guys, how are we doing today?
0: Doing great, Pete. Good. Good, Pete. How you doing?
1: Good. I like to keep the uh, listeners updated as to in what what length and status Nick's beard is. So. <laughs> Just so that everyone at home can uh, can keep track as to where Nick's beard is, I would say it's it's uh, groomed right now, wouldn't you say? It's not shaved. It's it's not. It's like manicured,
0: beardicured, beardicured. Yeah. Well, we should update the people. Looks like you got a haircut.
1: I did get a haircut. Finally, I had my first haircut in the COVID era, um, and uh, it was much needed because my shaggy locks. I wish. For many times, I've attempted to, like, grow my hair out and to try to, like, rock a man bun because, you know, that's how I do. Uh, but my hair, I've learned, grows in a mullet. So it doesn't grow <laughs> like a man bun. It just grows really long in the back and then nowhere else in the top. So uh, so after, whatever, three and a half or four months of no haircut and wearing hats constantly because I just didn't want to deal with my hair, I did get a haircut. And it was Not a moment too soon. I got it on uh, Becca's and my anniversary. So I looked prim and proper to celebrate two years of happily wedded
0: bliss. Congrats on that.
1: Thank you. Thank you. We also went to a dinner. So two new COVID things knocked down one day, got my haircut and we went out for dinner. We sat outside and the restaurant only had outdoor seating available. So, uh, but yeah, so it was good. That was good. Clark, your your missus is letting you on the pod today. Celebrated the birthday today
2: and uh, also went to a restaurant where they serve food. Uh, yeah.
1: Can... And how was that experience? Lots of thoughts.
2: It was fine. We had a good time. And good. Lots of thoughts. We had a great lots time of... and I'm happy to be on the pod. <laughs> Please lots wear a mask of... from the door to the table. Yes. Because that makes total sense. Anyway. <laughs> all right
1: (laughs) we did that we did that i will say we did that too we walked in because we were like literally yeah no i i understand the mild frustration there because we walked in and we're like we're just going to be taking two steps outside and we were uh promptly told that we needed to put masks on which i understand but also was like okay we're here for 30 seconds
0: yeah, I'm I'm very much in favor of these people who are making you guys keep your masks on at all
2: times.
1: No, I respect... Even at a restaurant I,
2: where you're eating. Yep, makes perfect sense. Yeah.
1: <laughs> just yep. punch it through the mask. Yep. As long as you're outside. Outside, it's okay.
2: Figure it out.
0: Uh, straw ah. foods only. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we're all... We're now going to transfer <laughs> to an all-liquid diet and just have to yeah. slurp it. <laughs> Well, I remember there was that video that went around on Twitter when Vegas first opened. And I don't know if you guys saw it. It was a guy sitting at a slot machine wearing a mask. And then he, like, takes a cigarette and, like, sneaks it under his mask so that he can get a couple puffs. And then, like, exhale, and just clouds of smoke billowing out of his mask. It was pretty incredible. Huh. Anyways. Uh, All right. Well, we got some football on the docket. We're going to do our favorite pastime, which is wildly predicting and speculating, uh, this time using over-unders. But first, the news. And oh boy, have we got some news for y'all. We'll start with the breaking news of Monday. Patrick Mahomes has signed... The largest contract in professional sports history, a 10-year extension worth up to $503 million. Half a billion dollars is being sent Patrick Mahomes' way. Uh, It includes $477 million in guarantee mechanisms. This is straight from Shepard. If if you
2: want to enjoy the English language being stretched to its limits, (laughs) please read... Uh, Pat Mahomes agents describing how this is a half million dollar <laughs> deal. It's uh it's wonderful. Uh, uh,
1: it will be 45 million per year. Uh, we were not surprised. I mean, obviously this deal was going to get done a 10 year deal though. That's a, that's a hell of a move uh, to start us off. Nick, you look uh, very perplexed.
0: Isn't it, isn't the total 503 million?
2: Yeah.
1: But, like, I, I, the, there's all kinds of weird incentives in there. Know. and
2: <laughs> We still are waiting, in my opinion. This is like Kaepernick's deal, uh, I imagine, where there's guaranteed mechanisms. Yes, we call those team options sometimes. <laughs> so I'm curious what the actual language of the contract is going to be. I'm seeing on Twitter, like, 112 million is actually guaranteed. Uh, we shall see. Good for the Chiefs. I mean, this is a contract, regardless of the language, that I feel is – going to be fulfilled so uh 45 million dollars a year for patrick mahomes seems like a bargain
0: yeah i think everybody Uh, won i i see worth
3: (laughs) up to 503 million so i think there's some goofy language to i don't know not fully guarantee but i mean he's patrick mahomes so i would bet on myself if i were him to get up to that number
2: when you hear Uh, a new phrase in contracts that means that agent is working overtime. Guarantee yeah. mechanisms. Good job. Good Just job. to well,
0: poke to poke some bears here. Do you guys think that uh, that they included any mask clauses? <laughs> oh, I hope
2: so.
3: I, I bet you, you does, did. It does include an injury guarantee, reportedly up to 140 million. So I don't know if that like injury or illness, if that includes it.
1: That's been you guys, pretty hear, good, right there. You guys want to hear other notable uh, NFL contracts that are double-digit years and extensions? Because they're all great. They're all. This is all setting up for Patrick Mahomes to finish his career as a Cle- uh, Cleveland, Kansas City Chief. Donovan McNabb signed a twelve-year deal with the uh, Eagles in two thousand and two. Brett Favre signed a quote lifetime contract with the Packers in two thousand and one. Drew Bledsoe signed a ten-year deal with the Patriots in two thousand and one. <laughs> and Michael Vick signed a ten-year deal with the Falcons in two thousand and four. So there's great precedent for uh, Patrick Mahomes to finish his career, finish his contract out as a Kansas City Chief.
0: How happy is Dak Prescott? Dak Prescott! How...
1: <laughs> Jerry Jones, this is going to be like, has to go down as one of the greatest like, quarterback negotiation blunder or contract blunders is Jerry Jones not signing Dak Prescott when Dak Prescott was like, pay me $35 million a year. Jerry should have been like, yes, done. Deal. Done. Let's get it out of the way before Patrick Homes gets right. paid $45 million a year and now you're new, that's the new market set.
0: That's that's what they're. You want a thirty five a year. Yeah. Oh my god. You won oh a thirty five a year. Oh my god. They what a goofy ass plan. So Jerry Jones. So they add CD Lamb, and like the defense is just going to be kind of whatever. And that, oh Dak Prescott's like set up to have like
1: a career oh. year, and then at the end he's going to be like, so about this ten year forty five million dollar deal that uh, Patrick Mahomes got, and Jerry's going to be like, shit. Well, that was a big mistake on my part.
3: already signed his tender too. So, I mean, they can obviously still like work something out in season, but Dak Prescott is already looking at that number. Like, yeah, we got to get at least closer to that range.
1: Yeah. Which by saying his tenure, Dak's getting paid 32 million a year anyway. So it's, which also is just like hilarious to me that the Cowboys were like, we won't pay you 35, but 32 we're okay with anyways. Blunders all over the place. I have to give a shout out to a friend of the podcast. Who, well, friend of a friend of the podcast, Kevin Clark on the Ringer, who tweeted out Sean Payton's fuming that he doesn't have the cat room to give this deal to Taysom Hill, which I just thought was a truly incredible tweet as, a, as someone who is firmly aboard that Taysom Hill is not a franchise quarterback. I would have loved if Sean Payton had broken the Saints cap uh, in order to assign him to some ridiculous mega deal.
0: We should get the show going here. But is the Taysom Hill like bandwagon? Is that really that big? Like, is it John? On it? Smaller? What? He, he's not. He signed into a one-year deal for like sixteen million. Yeah.
2: He's not on Ooh. any bandwagon. He's NFL players and franchises show us who they are when they spend their money. They didn't spend any money on him. So it's
1: true. That's true. We'll see next year when he gets signed to a ten-year extension worth. That's half true. A I billion. will eat pro, uh <laughs>
2: figuratively. <laughs> If that happens,
1: no, no, it's it's got to be live on the show. <laughs> we'll we'll find a crow for you, D. Clark. Uh, also in the news, it has finally come. It broke uh, at the end of last week, but after years of us as a podcast pestering, as the general people who were on the right side of history pestering, Washington racial slurs are finally taking into consideration the notion of changing uh, their name which is long time overdue. Uh, FedEx and Nike, both FedEx was threatening to pull funding from Washington, which is obviously huge since they play at FedEx Stadium. And Nike took all of Washington's paraphernalia off of their website. I believe it was Friday that they removed, it, so you couldn't buy anything Washington racial slurs. Uh,
2: So, and those companies move so quickly to correct their mistakes that they've been making for the past several years. Let's applaud them for sponsoring this team for decades or a very long time. I give, I give no credit to either of those things. They were happy to make money. And then as soon as it became not an awesome way to make money, they're like, oh crap, we're changing. We changed your mind guys. (laughs) Turns out Redskins is racist. Sorry. We didn't know until just now.
1: The credit, the credit goes to us, the people who forced them into a, into that like i i I'm actually really happy as someone who has been like a really big advocate for this for a long time since I mean this this first came out like what like five or six years ago they had a Super Bowl ad that they ran, uh, and I can't remember what Super Bowl ad it was uh, but anyways i I take a lot of I take a lot of enjoyment and joy coming out of the fact that like this was something that a lot of people were really pushing towards, and yes, I agree with you, Clark, that FedEx and Nike shouldn't be applauded too loudly uh, because of the fact that now they suddenly realize that this is uh, offensive, but putting, putting, having, putting the, uh, the pressure on Dan Snyder and no deal, no changes have been made. They are internally discussing it. So it could be a very Dan Snyder move to come out and be like, actually, you know what? No, fuck you guys. It's okay.
2: Well, let's not bury the lead here. Uh, RB1 podcast own Pete Rogers getting some pub in the uh, from CNN regarding his fantastic Washington Red Tails design. So Pete, it's been great having you on the pod. I'm going to miss you when you're big I know. time. When, I, when I'm out of here. Uh, yeah, it was, a, that was an ex, it was an exciting
1: weekend for me on that, on that front. My, my Twitter was melting the entire weekend. And my, it was weird seeing my name cropping up in, in CNN. And I think it was also Fox Sports wrote an article.
3: People need to know, too, that that design that you did well, not only fantastic, but that you did that before this talk came up. So it wasn't in response to, you were proactive in that. Um, I think they should just hire you outright.
1: Graphics, media, image consultants, just help them rebrand. They need it. I would, I would welcome it. If you're listening to the show, Washington, Dan Snyder, I, ex- I humbly accept whatever you're willing to offer.
0: So, uh, first off, I had no idea this was happening, so that's awesome, Pete. Congratulations. I do want to point out that I would have personal reservations about going to work for Dan Snyder because he's an asshole. Um, Fair. <laughs> but to to Clark's point, yeah, fuck both of these companies. They made a shit ton of money never taking a stand until pub- public pressure caved because of mass protests across the country on an, uh, an associated topic. So, um, yeah, I, I give them no applause. I, I don't think that they deserve, um, any credit at all. Uh, and, and then I've forgotten the main point that I was going to make. So <laughs> I <laughs> think I'm too excited to like. blow
2: through you. Yeah,
0: I know. I just, yeah, screw them. And, oh, oh, and just that they have not actually said they're going to change.
1: Yeah. Right? Like the statement internal was investigation.
0: Yeah. We're going to think about it. That's, that's it. So if Snyder, if he is able to like break from the NFL and get like Reebok to start printing the jerseys or something like that, he's, he's not gonna, his merit, he makes his, his children's uh, schoolmates, parents refer to him as Mr. Snyder. Like other parents, he tells them to call him. They go, hi, Dan. And he says, it's Mr. Snyder. So, (laughs) He, this is a terrible terrible person yeah he would love nothing more than to not change the name
2: oh no, that's kind of a power move though like you <laughs> got to be stronger to be like no dan i'll just call you nothing but i like his chutzpah like that's the first good thing about dan snyder that i've learned <laughs> i like
0: that <laughs> He shows no respect to anybody uh um, do you anyway. make do you make
1: all your ducks i ad- address you as mr barnes
0: i mean from here on out <laughs> Do you have Barnes Barn puns? Do they live Ooh, in a barn? Oh,
2: I feel like so. Uh, I re- I live in the country now, and I really like it. So I want to call my ranch uh, when I get older the Bar N S Ranch. So that's as punny as it gets. I think I love it. I love it. Uh, how about right. Patrick Mahomes? eh? woo big contract. How about what? that money? <laughs> yeah, could, also could, you know Deshaun Watson you. is also waiting to get paid this makes the Texans look bad. And uh, I think the Eagles did this with Carson Wentz a few years ago. Uh, They were the first movers on the class to get the quarterback. And that just always looks like a great move, even though the Carson Wentz deal has been tough because Carson Wentz has been injured. It still looks great compared to the Jared Goff deal and things like that. So teams that move first, while it's a big number, it's a big number with a lot of weird language associated with it. And other teams would gladly pay $40, $45 million, I think, for Dak Prescott or Deshaun Watson. So uh, kudos to the Chiefs for being that first mover and locking up, you know, a great crop of quarterbacks. Mahomes could, could potentially be the best one. So good good move by that.
1: Yeah, you make a great point uh, as we wrap up the news about Carson Wentz and how it's just like it pays. I know it like teams, it pays to be the first to sign your player. At a position that's going to get paid a lot of money. If you are the first to sign your quarterback, then you don't have to deal with every other quarterback in that class getting more money. You now set the market, um, and and like within a year, your con- like the contract that your quarterback just signed will look like a, a deal. There you go. There was the news. Uh, so now we are going to wildly predict things. Uh, I have what do I got? One, two, three, four, five different over unders involving different players for the twenty 2020- twenty football season these are all guys who i think are intriguing options in fantasy players who i feel like people are a little bit all over the map on as a, in terms of you know some have them really high some have them low what are the expectations we have for these players so we are going to do that i have these are not uh what you know gambling books that's what they're called uh describe as over unders these are just my own over unders and so we will see we'll keep track of what everyone says and we'll see who was right and who was wrong ultimately. But now that I have finished that whole preamble and you know what's coming, you have to first sit through an ad break. Ha! Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th
0: And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
1: All right, we're back. And we're going to start with the first over-under. And we will go, Jordan, why don't you give us your first thoughts on this? Tom Brady. He's currently going as the QB 11, according to fantasy pros consensus ADP rankings over under thirty three and a half and a half passing touchdowns this year
3: over under thirty three and a half. Let's see if Jameis Winston can sniff 50, I, I would go over for thirty three and a half and a half on Tom Brady. Tom Brady is uh, older. Yes, but he comes with a wealth of experience and, um, yeah, I, I think a lot of people would be hoping for that 33 over as well. So I'm going over.
2: Clark, what are your thoughts? I think that's a good number. Uh, I'm going to try to not say that after every number. Uh, so <laughs> Unless someone else one that's really bad and you're just going to be like, no, Pete, that was a terrible number. This is such uh, an easy one. Someone else being asked first affords me the luxury of you know quickly looking up how many times has Tom Brady thrown for 33, 34 touchdowns in his career and, uh, you know, talking about stuff like that before the season, you said 33. I was like, oh, wait, over. But then you look at his stats and Brady's had a really good career and he's only done it a few times. 33 is a lot, uh, but I do think that they're going to be moving the ball. Tampa Bay's defense was sneaky good, as brought to you by uh, Jordan last year. You know, they, they're a pretty good team, except for when the quarterback throws the ball to the opposing squad. <laughs> so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go over. I'm going to go over that. I'm enthusiastic. Nicholas,
1: are you going to play your favorite role as the uh, discerner or discerner or whatever the word
0: is? Yeah, this is, this is a really good one. Um, Just looking at last year's stats, there were, there were only two guys who went over 33 or one of them was 33. Um, It's so interesting. So, I mean, the defense is going to give them short fields. I'm sure that they will pass when they're in close, Uh, but yeah, let's, let's do it. Let's go over.
2: I think I this mean is, fifteen for
0: Gronk, right? <laughs> exactly, so, naturally.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so you got it already
1: halfway there. Yeah, this is this is one of the things as like as a Patriots fan who has watched Tom Brady throughout his entire career. Uh, it's a it's something that I feel like isn't necessarily. And Clark, you brought it up when you looked at his stats. Brady, while being a very productive quarterback, isn't always the best fantasy quarterback because he doesn't often throw above 30 touchdowns like he's normally in that high 20 range and he puts up some yardages on really good seasons but it's not, as not if he like puts up the most absurd stats it's not kind of you know except for the one year obviously with randy moss where he put up 50 touchdowns so it'll be really interesting to see what 43 year old brady does in tampa with a litany of weapons like there is potential easily for him to throw upwards of 33 touchdowns with mike evans with chris godwin with gronk with uh oj howard with uh uh, uh camera with Keyshawn vaughn who i'm i'm gonna hype up until my dying days so i it's curious to see where you guys i'm everyone's falling on the over i think that that is a pretty good place to be and at quarterback 11 like Thirty-three plus touchdowns is going to automatically rocket you as a pretty high fantasy quarterback. Given the fact that if you look at QBs this year, like we said, only three through. You know, uh, Lamar had thirty-six, and I think Jameis had thirty-three. So, uh, so we are saying that Brady will be better than Jameis.
0: This one's so tough because the only thing is, is that I don't think that there will be very many game scripts where they're going to need to throw a lot. So, the the caveat is, I think if this happens which, I mean, maybe I'm just doing this because I think it'd be fun to root for it. I think he'll kind of buck regression and have a really middling uh, yardage total. Because I think that they're just going to have the short fields when they get in close. Like, they're not going to, Brady's not going to go, yeah, let's hand it to Ronald Jones, right? Yeah, He's just going to toss it to one of the 6'5 guys.
1: Yeah. All right, let's move on. Next over under, uh, Clark, we'll start with you here. Le'Veon Bell's ADP, I've consistently been seeing getting pushed down and down and down and down. He's currently the RB18 in PPR uh, scoring. RB27 in standard. Again, this is Fantasy Pros Consensus ADP, so don't get at me. Uh, I wanted to see if I'm just too high on him or if other people are too low on him. So, Clark, over under 1,550.5
2: total yards from scrimmage for Le'Veon Bell this year. I'm going to say under... uh, I think Gase has shown us who he is and he has managed to make some apparently really good players look awful. I think Le'Veon Bell is still good. I've, I've actually gone back uh, and watched a lot of crummy teams games from last year, because this is always a blind spot for me of like the lions. Like turns out the lions are pretty good last year before Matt Stafford got hurt and he should be back. And I've gone back and watched the jets. Le'Veon Bell's still really good at playing running back, but they just look awful. They don't look like they know what they're doing, and I don't see any reason that that's going to change in your three or year three with case. So, man, I hate it, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go under.
0: Nick, what about you? Uh, I don't even remember the yardage total, but I'm going <laughs> under. Um,
1: it, was it was five yards, Nick. It was five yards. You want to go <laughs> under five yards?
0: So, I mean, the yeah, per touch, yeah. Um, he, yeah, Gase uh, Clark said everything really well. Adam Gase perennially puts out the like top or worst or bottom five offense uh, in the league. He brought in Frank Gore. And I know that uh, rightfully people are a little bit skeptical, but really if there is any team that Gore could have landed with, or this is the best team he could have landed with for who will uh, maximize his touches. Gase loved him, right? He kept us from seeing what uh, Kenyon Drake could have been in the passing game by just rolling Gore out there. And I don't think that Gore is going to be the bell cow, but I think that he's going to get eight to 10 touches per game. And if we are talking about, you said 1500 uh, yards from scrimmage, like, yeah, I think Frank Gore will get enough work that he prevents uh, bell from getting a truly elite workload and producing a truly elite, elite uh, yardage total. And actually uh, fortuitously, if you want to look through the quagmire that is my Twitter feed, I had a back and forth with Jeff Ratcliffe about this last week from Pro Football Focus. Um, he was really high on him; I was really low. I don't think it ever really got settled, but um, <laughs> yeah, I I am way the hell out on Le'Veon Bell this year, and it's sad. I don't want to be.
1: Final thoughts, Jordan?
0: Um, yeah, I, I'm kind of in.
3: Clark's camp as far as like Le'Veon Bell looking pretty good last year um, despite being on a pretty bad team but I think just continually being on this Jets team is going to hold his value back Uh, getting up to 1500 total yards would he would have to outperform last season which I think is going to be pretty difficult to do he should get a I mean fingers crossed he gets a full season of Sam Darnold behind center but that offensive line is uh once again a little bit reworked they're probably going to be starting a rookie um at one of the tackle positions and um yeah I I just don't really see him outperforming last year's total by like 300 scrimmage yards that
1: might be a little tough yeah I will be the uh, discerning voice here I I maybe it's just I I am fully in on Le'Veon Bell having a bounce back year for as much as he can in Adam Gase's offense. And he's going at such a cheap price that I think I'm going to probably have him in a lot of places. Uh, I think that last year was not only his first year with the jets and Adam Gase. It was also his first year back playing football after sitting out a year. And so I do think that there's still a little rust that needed to be worn off. I like, I also hate Adam Gase. I also don't want to trust any, like I don't want to rely on him in order to give me fantasy production. But I think Le'Veon Bell is too talented a running back to, unless, unless Nick is right and, and Adam Gase is just a goddamn asshole and has Frank Gore, you know, getting 150 plus carries. I, I just, I think Le'Veon Bell has the talent to bounce back to closer to what we've seen it with Pittsburgh in terms of, a, in terms of on-field production.
2: Yeah, Mike Tolbert thinks Frank Gore is ruining fantasy football, so. <laughs> <laughs> and that's saying something.
3: Does uh right. Was it Adam oh, Gase ahead. or the former GM of the Jets who said they didn't really want Le'Veon Bell? It was Gase. It was Adam right? Gase. It was Gase. Yeah. I mean, he might be an a-hole and just decide to run Le'Veon Bell thirty Rich. times a game just to, I don't know, just to spite him, basically.
1: And rumors have come out too that if the Jets do open the season looking like absolute ass, they're going to trade Le'Veon Bell, which could just open up this whole thing that I could finally I could win the under or win the over. But you know, relying or on a trade is never what you never, what you never want. <laughs> yeah, or
3: it could absolutely just learn a new everybody. offense, that sort of thing. Oh,
2: like God. if you don't brush your teeth, I'll give you more ice cream. That's the kind of threat that that we've got that, going on there.
1: Yeah. Uh, All right, third over under uh, the top two rookie wide receivers. I always like looking or getting a sense of what people feel like is realistic expectations for rookie wideouts because we get really hyped about them at the draft. And especially this class of rookies was, you know, phenomenal uh, rookie wide receivers, but rarely do we ultimately see guys come in and ball out to the extreme. So the top two rookie wide receivers going in fantasy drafts are Jerry Judy going wide receiver thir, uh, 38 and CeeDee Lamb going wide receiver 40 in PPR. Nick, starting with you, over under 999.5 receiving yards. Will either of them be at a 1,000-yard receiver? No. Taking the under.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, I, you, you have to contend with, in, in Denver – uh, Cortland Sutton has a stranglehold on it. They just brought in Melvin Gordon, whose, uh, prowess is, is pass catching, uh, another year developed for Noah Fant. Drew Locke is still young and I'm, you know, like I, I said, what I've liked, what I've seen from him in so far is he'll just launch it to Cortland Sutton, but he hasn't really done a whole lot outside of that. Uh, I just think it's going to be more of a like ball control, uh, low volume offense. And then as far as Dallas goes, um. Amari Cooper is an outstanding player. Michael Gallup is like the real dude. I, I mean, he's like the next De- Deshaun Jackson kind of a guy. Um, Jarwin is there. It depends, you know, assuming Kellen Moore will retain rights to play calling. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott could see like 70 targets. I just don't think there's going to be enough for CeeDee Lamb to hit that thousand yard mark. Now that doesn't mean that he couldn't do like 800 yards and, and eight TDs kind of a thing. Um, and of course, if, if Gallup or Cooper misses any extended period of time, then, then this will be the over like he'll, he'll, I think he will absolutely hit the over, but uh, just as of now, no, I don't think, I don't think either of them will. Jordan, what about you? Uh, can you bounce to Clark? Cause I think I might actually have some stats on Ooh,
3: Jordan getting stats know.
2: and information. Yeah, I don't I don't have a long preamble for you, Jordan, but I'll try to stretch it out. Uh, <laughs> I think both of these wide receivers are fantastic, uh, but they are rookies and they are going to teams who are not in desperate need of wide. Well, that's not true. Uh, Judy, I think, is going to be amazing, but I am not sure that Drew Locke is. And uh, why would you throw it to him when you can hand the ball to Melvin Gordon and make yourself look smart for signing Melvin Gordon for a lot of money? CeeDee Lamb, I also think that he's fantastic, but why would you force the ball to him when you already have three really solid veterans and some tight end who who may come up for you. So this is not an indictment of these rookies talents. It's just, that's a lot of yards for a rookie and their teams don't need it. Yeah. I will give Jordan more time
1: by saying I am also taking the under. I I think that it's really easy to get hyped for what rookie wide receivers can do. And I think on the field, there will be plenty of highlight plays that we see from these two guys. But I think if you're looking for like, if you're expecting, you know uh like uh Devonte parker is a guy who i think is maybe the the kind of season that people might be expecting from these guys where it's not he's not a he's not one of the big stud receivers he kind of comes out of he builds his role and then like emerges with it and really thrives and gets you a solid you know 1200 yards and double digit touchdowns if that's what your expectations are for these receivers it ain't happening
3: yeah i also, I'm going to take the under. So I, I found what I was looking for. This is something that I put together a couple of weeks ago. Um, of 31 receivers taken in the first round since 2010, H.J. Uh, Green, Odell Beckham Jr., Mike Evans, and Amari Cooper had 1,000 yards in their first season. So that is just four guys. So while it's very possible that these guys could go over a 1,000, that's like a pretty small percentage and you have to assume One of these guys is the next Odell or Amari Cooper, which one of these receivers that we're talking about is playing on the same team as Amari Cooper. So that might be a little bit of a hold back. CD Lamb being likely the third option, at least to start, um, holds him back a little bit. Uh, Yeah, again, we're not entirely sure Drew Locke is good. Uh, I think Jerry Judy's ceiling for his first year is like around the Calvin Ridley range. Both Alabama guys who are pretty good route runners, uh, but Calvin Ridley got to like the mid eight hundreds in his first season. Which, I mean, good rookie season. Like that's a damn good rookie season. But a thousand yards might be a little bit too rich for me.
1: Um, quick shout out to Clark for telling me over Slack that the word I'm looking for is dissenting. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, All right. Five. Fourth over-under that we're going to do. uh, Kenyon Drake was on pace for 1,286 yards and 16 touchdowns uh, if he had played all 16 games with the Cardinals. People are drafting him as the RB10 in PPR and kind of expecting similar numbers this year. Uh, Maybe not the 16 touchdowns, but certainly the rushing yards. Uh, Jordan, we'll start with you. Over-under 1,300.5 rushing yards for Drake this year in his first full season with the Cardinals.
3: I don't know. I kind of want to go under because of the... I I think they might have caught lightning in a bottle last year a little bit with Drake, and I also think Chase Edmonds is still a pretty good option. So I think Chase Edmonds should still get some carries in that uh, offense, uh, which might hold Drake back a little bit. Um, I, I don't think the Cardinals offensive line got extraordinarily better with their draft either. Um, that can help Drake, but I'm I'm on the fence about it. I want to say over, but I I think I'm just being negative and saying under.
1: Nick, what do you think?
0: So, just to be clear, you said it, his rushing yard total at at thirteen yes, hundred. Yeah, rushing. So they were, is off the top of my head. So don't quote me. I believe they were the number two rushing offense in DVOA last year, and it's it's this is another one of those instances actually quite different than than what i thought with kevin stefanski which by the way we had a little uh back and forth i think about uh on, on twitter about that this this week pete um where anyway stefanski showed that he is actually analytically informed he doesn't just anyway uh kingsbury <laughs> we don't know if he actually like studies the numbers and understands why what he does works but it it does that total is just that's super steep there's only. Uh, four players last year who crossed the 1300 rushing yard line. Um, yeah, let's do it though. He'll do it. Yeah. Going over. Ooh,
2: Nick saucy Clark. What about you? Yeah, this is the, uh, I always have a hard time with these situations. Uh, I was out on Damian Williams last year in Kansas city and that only really ended up being right because he was injured. Uh, you go back and watch the Cardinals games and sometimes they look awful and nothing that they do works. And then the next week against a good opponent, this is not, you know, they play well against bad teams and play poorly against good teams. Kenyon Drake is running through gaping holes and no one is near him and he's just eating up yards and scoring touchdowns. So what, uh, what Kingsbury is doing in Arizona works sometimes. And that was his first year with a very poor team. And so I feel like they are onto something. Of course, you know, that's what we thought with Chip Kelly too. So I don't know. That's why I'm on the fence. I'm going to say over, let's have some fun. 1300 yards for Kenyon Drake over going as the RB 10. I mean, Oh, that's the kind of chance I'll take and regret, but, (laughs) no. <laughs> Cardinals are be, I feel like the Cardinals are going to score a lot this year. I think the Cardinals have a, have a very good chance of being
1: like a top five offense uh, in pretty much every realm that you can possibly imagine. Uh, I'm going to take the under, and it's not because I don't have faith in this offense. It's more of I just think that I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see more of a pass like this passing attack is what really lights it up obviously with the addition of Deandre Hopkins and just with Kyler Murray being another year in the league that the passing game is what's going to get emphasized. But, uh, but yeah, as a f- kind of a tag along question, Clark, you already kind of mentioned it. Do you guys feel Nick and Jordan, like the RB 10 is where you'd be comfortable taking Drake for me, that seems high. Like, I don't know if I would necessarily be willing to to do that just given the fact that we only saw whatever it's like eight games of him in Arizona. And yes, those eight games were amazing, but are we sure that that's going to be a full 16 game kind of a a workload?
0: Yeah. I mean, he uh, is, and this is anecdotal. So take it with grains of salt, but him being interviewed, I think it was like with Roto world where he's talking about how Kyler Murray is. He calls the play and then he'll turn to Drake and tell him what he has to do. Like while they're coming out of the huddle kind of a thing um first year of a new head coach a new quarterback a new system and he then comes into that situation performs uh the way he did on half of the season I and w- we've talked about him a lot I think he's just he's a good pass catching back he's kind of just like a, a blown up pass catching back um and I don't think you have to be better than that
2: to excel in this offense he is fine like yep. he, he's not a specimen, but opportunity
1: but that offense pushes him into top 10 territory interesting yeah. interesting
3: i think drake is pretty explosive um
1: <laughs> I think if, he's if average. i <laughs>
3: if i get if he's rb10 and you know maybe i'm picking at the back end of the draft and he's like a, he's like the second running back i'm able to grab i'm already really excited about my track sure. like if i already have two and he's my rb2 i'm really excited if he's the first running back i grab i'm still good with it like I'm still good with it just for the totality of what that offense could be Uh, with Kyler Murray uh, in his second year. He'll be better. DeAndre Hopkins, that sort of thing. Um, I, I'd be
1: good with it. Oh, okay. Good to know. Good to know. All right. Our final over under, this is especially dedicated to one Clark Barnes and we'll start with you, Clark over under Gronk touchdowns 5.5. Oh, over. That's a, that's a (laughs) layup. You say that, but let's look at let's look at uh,
2: Gronk's history. I know Nick gave me. I a... don't need to look at stats. <laughs> I, I got it right here, pointing to my heart, pointing I to your heart. That, yeah, but I'm sorry, let let's look at Gronk's history. Well, I mean, Gronk's is the biggest
1: thing is that that's going to be a hindrance is injury, obviously. But if you look, I mean, 2016 he had three touchdowns. Twenty last year he had a uh, three or 2018 I should say he had three touchdowns. And he hasn't had double-digit touchdowns since 2015. So, you know, with given well, all the people that need to eat <laughs> on that offense, are we are we certain that he's putting forward a uh, big scoring touchdown? Who knows?
0: Yes, because there's a difference between double-digit touchdowns and going over 5.5. Uh, <laughs> the no, only no. we've we've talked a lot about this season with like a COVID off season, meaning no off season. On field rapport is going to be extremely strong or extremely important uh, in fantasy drafts. And the only guy that Brady has played with is is Gronk. And he, I mean, he could have like a Brandon Jacobs circa like 2006 type of season, but just for rushing, like 300 yards and 10 touchdowns kind of, you know, they, they just get into the red zone and he just like lobs passes to him. I don't think it'll be that. I think it'll probably be like 408 touchdowns but yeah no i over 5.5 for sure
3: is this the last over under
1: this is the last one
3: okay um you know what i'll go over um just for the fact of like again like with the rapport thing it could be very important especially with like the first month of the season it usually is for a regular season, but with a trippy off season like this uh, it could be, you know, six weeks, two months before teams really start to connect and roll in the way that they want to. So Gronk could really just have multiple like double digit touchdown games. Like he could just come out with, you know, 15 yards receiving, but like, get two touchdowns out of that or three touchdowns. That's in the realm of possibility. So I, over the course of a long season, uh, with Tom Brady back as his quarterback, I I can go over five and a
1: half. Okay. Since there was so much disdain in Jordan's voice about this being the last over under, I quickly have thrown together one more (laughs) and we'll make it quick. Uh, But this was when I was brainstorming initially, and I don't know exactly what number I want to pick with, but we'll go with a guy who I have at least talked a bit about it on this show as someone who maybe I'm not as excited about going into a year following a breakout year for him is Darren Waller, who I think is now going to be dealing with a little more competition in that passing game. Still, still something that he could still be very productive, but as a tight end, uh, over under, and we'll start with you, Jordan, because you are the one who forced me to do this on the fly. Uh, Over under, let's say eighty point five receptions for Darren Waller in uh, in twenty twenty.
3: How many did he get last year?
1: He had ninety receptions on one hundred and seventeen targets last year.
3: Oh, um, that's a pretty good catch rate. Um, I'll still go over though. I don't think that there's a whole lot of difference there between like the passing options. For um, the Raiders, that's what I'm looking for. The Raiders this year compared to last year. Yes, they added Henry Ruggs, but Henry Ruggs is a rookie. Um, they added Brian Edwards, but he is also a rookie. They out- added Jason Witten, but he is the furthest from being a rookie on that team. Uh, so I I could see him getting the same kind of looks and the same kind of workload and another year being able to connect with Derek Carr should Derek Carr be able to hang on to that starting position I can I can see him going a little bit over
1: Clark what are your thoughts
2: this one's tough because I think that he was a um, a winner of circumstance was the opposite of a victim of circumstance he (laughs) was the only game in town
1: profiteered Uh,
2: there yeah he so but he's still playing for the same team who didn't really change the landscape He's still playing for a quarterback who seems physically unable of uh, convincing himself to throw the ball downfield. Uh, That's a lot of receptions. I, I'm taking the under, I think. I hope that this doesn't happen because this is a young man's career and I hope that he has a long successful career, but this just has like one hit wonder written all over it.
1: Nick wrap us up. Well,
2: yeah, so
0: if we're just looking at the guys who were in the eighties the for catches last year at tight end, we're talking about uh like Fertz was at eighty-eight, Kittle was at uh eighty-five. Uh I think they they spent a first round pick on a wide receiver who one who has excelled both downfield and at the line of scrimmage. Um I think 80 is a good number to hope for from, from Waller. And I think that something like 75 is a lot more realistic uh, just because I think that it's, it's not hard to imagine that Henry Ruggs, uh, you know, takes 10 to 15 catches off of uh, Waller's work. Well, it's all, I'll go under. Cool.
1: Uh, All right. Well, there you go. And we will, uh, I've got them all written down. I'm going to tuck them away. For uh, the end of the year, if there is a year, and we can reflect back and see how right I was about Le'Veon Bell and how wrong everyone else was about him, uh, make sure you subscribe to wherever you get your podcast—iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. Uh, we are there. Fake Teams podcast channels where you can find us. If you have any fantasy questions that you want us to answer on the show, drop them in the comments, leave a review, uh, and we'll make sure to answer them. Or tweet them at us at RB One Podcast. Uh, you can follow myself at Pete M Rogers follow Clark at NFL Clark Jordan at Jordan underscore Smith 27 and Nicholas at ginger underscore underscore Nick without a K. We will be back at you next week. Until then. Peace.